for today, what we normally do in between um, series is do something what we call Generation Essentials. And what Generation Essentials are, um, uh, they are nine characteristics that we believe makes a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Um, and so what we, it's an ongoing series that we do in between each series that, that we have. And today we've got to part number four. Um, just to let you know the other parts that we had, uh, we talked about community back in uh, November of how we must gather together in community. Uh, you must gather with other believers, other Christians. Um, then we, we, we talked about worship, uh, actually what worship is and, and how we should worship God um, and what God tells us what worship is all about. And then the last one we did was all about evangelism, which is a kind of a churchy word, but we called it telling our story and that God said that we should be witnesses um, to the people around us. And so that means that we should tell our story about what God has done in our lives to other people. So today, uh, part number four, and what we're going to be discussing, we're going to discuss a question, and the question is this, am I growing? Am I growing? Now, today is June 1st, and what June 1st means to me is summertime. It means that June, I think, is a summer month. It's not a spring month, it's not a fall month, it's not a winter month, it's a summer month. So we've got June, July, August, which is summer month. So summer is here, people. But we've just come out of a season called the spring season. And so this season has ended or is ending, depends on when you say official summertime begins. But really, summer starts today, people, just to let you know. But we often think of spring as a season where there is new life. We often think of spring as a season where we have better weather. And boy, did we enjoy the spring season this year after that horrible winter we had. We often think of spring as Easter and bunnies and chocolate and eggs and all that jazz. But really, if you wanted to define spring, you would define it in one word, and that word would be growing or growth. I think spring is the season of growth. Now, if you have a yard and you have to keep up with that yard, how many of you like have more than like a quarter of an acre that you have to keep up with? Man, not many of you. More than a quarter of an acre. Wow. How many of you like got less than a quarter of an acre you got to keep up with? You people are lucky. You don't realize how lucky that you are. If you've got more than maybe a quarter of an acre, then you realize that how spring, even though you love spring so much, spring is a tough time for you. Because you may have noticed more than anyone else, and for the last month and a half, that growth has taken place in your yard. Even if you've just got a little bitty little yard, you've realized that growth has taken place in your yard. Yard. You've seen that the grass has grown, the flowers have bloomed, and the trees have become full of leaves. And when we see growth like that, we often think that there is life there. We think when we see growth that there is life, that there is something that is alive. And it's the same when it comes to faith as well. When we see growth, we often assume that there is life. Because we think that growth equals life. When we see a church that grows, we think that good things are happening, and we think that church is alive because there is growth. When someone grows in their faith, 
and they get deeper in their faith, we often think that they are growing and they are becoming what we call a better disciple of Jesus Christ. But it's not always the case, and that's what I want us to talk about today. I want us to talk about the subject of growth. Uh, many who would talk about this, su- this, uh, this subject today would, would, would instead call it a gen- Generation Essentials growth. They would call it Generation Essentials discipleship. And when they hear the word discipleship, they, 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 they all mean different things because that word is such a churchy word. You don't really hear it outside of church at all. And many people and many churches and denominations, when they hear the word discipleship, this is what they think. They think like Sunday school. So like for those of you who may be in church for a while, you remember the days when all the adults went to Sunday school and we all ate lots of donuts before we came to the main service and then we're singing and we're burping up the donuts and things like that. And that was like discipleship for some churches. For those of you who maybe uh, you're new in church, maybe discipleship for you is small groups where you gather together and uh, you, you, you talk for about an hour and a half and then you're like, oh, I suppose we better do this study for 10 minutes and things like that. But you think that's like discipleship. And then there's other churches out there that will say, well, discipleship is a four-week class. You need to do a class. You need to come into our church, and you need to do uh, uh, four weeks of discipleship, and then you are a disciple. But that isn't really discipleship. And so this term discipleship, we, we can define it by this. Discipleship basically means being a disciple. And a disciple is a follower of somebody else. Uh, And it's not just a follower, but it's someone who is disciplined to follow in someone else's footsteps. A disciple works and is disciplined to become like the one that they are following. And so when Jesus walked this earth, Jesus went to 12 different men. And he said, follow me and become my disciple. What he was saying to them, he says, come and watch me and mold your life to become like my life. Come and become like me. Be disciplined in your life so that you will grow to become like me. And then when Jesus ascended to heaven, the 12 had gone to 11 because one had kind of had a bad ending. And so the, Jesus said to the 11, he says, now you are disciples. I want you now to go into the rest of the world and start to make more disciples. Go and make disciples. More people who will follow in the footsteps of Jesus and be disciplined to become like Jesus. So if you are a follower of Jesus Christ this morning, if you are a believer of Jesus Christ, then the whole idea is that you are a disciple of Jesus. Meaning that you are to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. So with that in mind, I want us to, each of us, to take like an imaginary uh, scorecard out today. And I want us to score how we are doing in becoming a disciple of Jesus. How individually are we doing to become a disciple of Jesus? I want us to evaluate whether we are growing to become better disciples of Jesus. 
So this morning, I want us to ask ourselves three questions. And we're going to ask these three questions, and they're going to help us measure our scorecards of whether we're becoming better disciples of Jesus. So the first question is this that we're going to ask ourselves. Am I growing to become more like Jesus? Am I growing to become more like Jesus? Now, just because something grows, it doesn't mean it's healthy. You may be growing, but it doesn't mean it's healthy growth. So this spring, I had a rude awakening in my yard. When the winter ended and the grass started to grow, I went out and I started to cut it. And I realized, and I don't know what happened, because this didn't happen last year, but it happened this year. My yard was full of weeds. There were weeds everywhere, every kind, like crabgrass. There was dandelions. There was this, like, thing that just went everywhere. It was like an octopus. It was crazy. And there was weeds everywhere. And I started cutting my grass. I'm like, where's the grass? I'm like, it's just weeds everywhere. From a distance, it looked good. It looked like it was luscious and green. But as I started cutting it, I started to realize that there were weeds everywhere. And what happened is that there were once grass in a patch, but now the weeds had grown up and they had overtaken the grass. And so Alex went to work. And Alex tried about every single product there is at Home Depot to get rid of these weeds. I was spraying stuff. I was telling Raquel, you can't walk in the grass for like two days because I'm trying to treat it. And I still have weeds everywhere. I'm not a very good gardener, just to let you know. But what had happened is there was growth and there was a lot of growth. I remember the first time I tried to cut that grass. I mean, it was like my lawnmower kept cutting out. I got to push one because there was so much grass <laughs> everywhere. And so there was growth. But what would happen is the weeds had overtaken the grass and they were killing the grass. Now, if you come to my yard now, you'll see that I've got rid of a lot of the weeds, but there's a lot of bald, spot, bald spots everywhere. I mean, it's like that I need to plant some more grass seed. But what I've discovered is that weeds often grow faster than grass. Weeds grow faster than flowers and weeds grow faster than plants. And we're so trained in our lives to think that if something is growing, then it must be good. But not everything that grows is good. And as a believer of Jesus Christ, the question should not be, am I growing? But the question should be, am I growing to become more like Jesus Christ? So if you have your Bibles this morning, there's three different scriptures that we're going to look at. And the first one is found in 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. And we're going to go right to the end of the chapter. And it's, we're going to look at verses 17 and 18. So Peter has just talked about there's a day that Jesus is going to return to the earth. And he's going to take his, his followers to heaven. And we're going to have this great time. But he says this, before this happens, in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17. Paul says this. Oh, sorry, Peter says this. I am warning you ahead of time, dear friends. Be on your guard so that you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people 
and lose your own secure footing. Then verse 18, he said, Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he tells us two things here. Firstly, he says, firstly, be on your guard for people who will try to lead you astray. And you may lose your secure footing. And then the second thing is, he says this, instead, you must grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. This is what he's saying. He's saying, be aware of the weeds that grow up in your life. Be aware of the weeds that grow up in your life. Because they're going to cause some issues in your life. He was talking about some false teachers, people who were teaching false things about Jesus and about God. And he was saying, watch out for those people. Watch out in your lifestyle for the weeds also that grow up in your life. And instead, plant some seeds, some grass seed. And he calls this the grass seed. He said, it's the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let that grow in your life, not the weeds. Now, just because somebody goes to church, just because someone may talk the Christian lingo, just because someone appears to be a mature Christian, just because somebody could quote like every verse in the Bible, just because somebody stands in a pulpit and, and preaches and is all charismatic and you're like, whoa, that person is a great communicator. Just because somebody may have a huge church or be on TV and have a big following, just because someone's got some crazy hair, it doesn't mean that that person is someone that you should necessarily follow. It doesn't mean that. Actually, in fact, that person could also pull you away from the faith. And this is what Peter says. He says, watch out for people. Watch out for people who teach things that aren't biblical. Watch out for the things in your life that grow up and can take you away from your Christian faith. Your scorecard that we've got this morning, your, your discipleship scorecard should always have this question, am I growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ? Not am I growing, am I growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ? Basically means this, am I growing in my lifestyle to be more like Jesus? Am I growing to be more aware of Jesus in my life? Am I growing in my lifestyle to be more like Jesus? Am I growing to be more aware of Jesus in my life? So the first question is this. Am I growing to become more like Jesus? The second question is this. And this is where we get to the kind of nitty-gritty of it. Am I producing the right fruit? Am I producing the right fruit? For those of you who like survival shows on TV, you know, like Survivor Man and Man vs. Wild, Naked and Afraid, which is a stupid show, just to let you show. But you got all these shows, these survival shows. When you start to watch them, the, the first thing that you'll see is, firstly, they try to find some shelter for the evening. The second thing that they always try to do is they try to find food. 
So, so they, 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 they look at their environment, they look at where they're at, and they try to find food. And the first thing that they do is that they'll often try to see what, what uh, fruit is growing or what berries are growing. So you, you'll, you'll see them go around and they'll look at the trees, they'll look at the bushes. And then if they find fruit and they find berries, they don't immediately eat them. Instead, what they do is they inspect them to see if they are edible or not, to see if they're going to be good fruit or bad fruit. And just because a tree has fruit, just because a bush has berries, it doesn't mean that you should be eating that fruit. Because there is trees with bad fruit, and there are bushes with bad fruit. And there are trees with good fruit and bushes with good berries. There are ones that are going to make you sick, and there are ones that are going to make you full, and you're going to enjoy a nice meal from them. And the question I have for you today is, as a person of faith, you are someone who produces fruit. You produce fruit. But are you producing the right kind of fruit? Are you producing the right kind of fruit? You know, Jesus one day, he's walking down the road with his disciples and he, and he sees a tree and he turns to his disciples and he says, you know, you can identify somebody by the fruit that they produce. And Jesus says, there's some trees with good fruit and there's people with good fruit. And then there's some trees with bad fruit and there are people with bad fruit. So Jesus says, you can identify people by the fruit that they are producing. And you can tell if someone is growing in the grace of Jesus Christ by the fruit that they are producing. And you may ask this morning, well, what is this fruit? Well, it's found in Galatians chapter 5. And so if you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to read verses 16 through to 24. And this this is what he says. The Apostle Paul writing to a church in Galatia. And he said this, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. He says this, these two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your own good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation of the law of Moses. So let's just pause there for a moment. This is what Paul is saying. Let's take our, I can't get my word out, the story of our grass and our weeds. Paul is saying there's a battle going on. There's the weeds that are growing and the grass is growing. And they're constantly fighting each other, trying to get each other's territory. And that's happening in your life. There's these weeds that are growing up and the grass is growing up. And one is going to overtake the other. They can't coexist with each other. And Paul says there's this battle that's going on in your life. Then he says this in verse 19. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, so that's the weeds in our life, the results are very clear. And this is the fruit, the bad fruit that can come up in our lives. He says, sexual immorality, impurity, 
lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility. And you may think, well, I don't do any of those. I'm not, I'm not that kind of person. Well, he carries on. Other bad fruit, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties. So if you're out every Friday night and every Saturday night and you're just going like crazy with your friends and just partying all the time, that's bad fruit. And then Paul says, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living this sort of life where they're producing this fruit constantly will not inherit the kingdom of God. So that's the bad fruit. I mean, stuff like jealousy and anger and and sexual immorality and lust and unwanted things constantly that aren't yours. Then he says this, verse 22, but the Holy Spirit, which is the good one, like the grass growing in our lives, produces this kind of fruit. So this is the good fruit in our lives. It produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Then he says, there is no law against these. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions, the bad fruit, and the desires of their sinful nature to his cross and have crucified them there. So as you look at your life right now, as you look at your relationships, as you look at your emotions, your outlook of life, the things that you do for pleasure, what is growing in your life? What is growing? Are you growing bad fruit or are you growing good fruit? Are you becoming jealous, envious? Are you getting angry? You're quarreling all the time with people, causing divisions amongst family members and friends and people at work. Have you got an eye for lust and you're looking at different ones that you shouldn't be looking at or those possessions that others have that you shouldn't? Have you got sexual immorality in your life? You know, you're doing things that you shouldn't be outside the confines of marriage. Is that happening in your life? Then the apostle Paul says, you're producing bad fruit. You're growing but you're producing bad fruit? Or is your life dictated by love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, self-control, meekness? Uh, Are those the things that are evident in your life? If someone was to evaluate your life right now, they would say, yeah, this person is growing in love, growing in joy, growing in peace, growing in patience, growing in long-suffering, growing in in self-control. Because that's the good fruit. And when you start producing this fruit, that is how you grow in the grace of Jesus Christ. This is the fruit that Jesus produced. This isn't the fruit that Jesus produced. And so as a disciple, are you growing to be more like Jesus? The third question, and the last question this morning, is this. We've discussed, are we going to be more like Jesus? 
Are we producing the right kind of fruit? And the last question I have for you is this. Are you a serious trainer? Are you a serious trainer? You can ask any athlete in this world, world-class athlete, and they'll tell you what separates the greats from the also-rans. They won't say it's down to ability. You know what they'll say? They'll say it's down to training, how you train. The Track and Field Association of the United States says this. They say that there are four keys to becoming a world-class athlete. So if any of you desire to be a world-class athlete, listen up, because I'm going to tell you the four keys to it right now. The four keys to being a world-class athlete is this, and I think we got them on the screen. It's a, the first one is physical attributes. Are you physically good enough to compete in the sport that you want to do? You know, if you are a marathon runner, there's no good in being 300 pounds. But if you want to be a lineman for the Baltimore Ravens, there's no good in being 150 pounds. You know, otherwise you'll get beat up a little. Physical attributes. Are you physically in a place where you can do what you want to do? The second one is psychological orientation. What goes on between the ears, is it good? Or do you just go crazy? You know, you, you, you may want to be a football player and someone like tackles you and you just go nuts and you go crazy and you start like headbutting everybody, you know, and like being like one of those jock guys and just like going crazy. That isn't going to work for a world-class athlete. The third thing they say is technical execution. So what you have learned, what you have trained for, what you have studied, are you able to actually execute that? It may be up here, but actually when you're in that sport or in that do, doing whatever you're doing, are you able to execute? And then the fourth thing they say that all world-class athletes have is desire. Desire. Now you see here, the first three really are all down to training. Like anybody really, the majority of people could shape their bodies if they really trained hard enough to do the sport that they want to do. Anybody could get their psyche right. You know, if they had enough people who were like doing mental exercises and stuff like that, they could get their psyche right. And anybody, if they had enough sense about them, they could take what they learned and if they tried hard enough, they could execute. But not everybody has the desire to do it. And when it become, comes to being a disciple of Jesus Christ, what separates the greats in this world, the ones when we get to heaven and everybody's going to clap, to the ones who are just going to like duck in through the back row in heaven, the difference between those two people is the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, that they grew in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, and they had a desire to increase that knowledge. When I say knowledge, I'm not talking about a head knowledge, a book smart, smart knowledge. It's not that we read about 10 books a week, and like we're just getting it all in our mind. I'm not talking about that kind of knowledge. I'm talking about actually knowing Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Do you intimately know Jesus? Emotionally, do you know Jesus? Spiritually, 
Do you know Jesus? 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 tells us this. The Apostle Paul speaking to the church at Corinth. He says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. So Paul is saying, when you on this faith journey, do it and run to win. And he says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we, being Christians, he's talking about, we do it for an eternal prize, a heaven-bound prize. So Paul says this in verse 26. He says, so I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. He says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. So Paul here, he likens himself to an athlete, and he says, I train like an athlete. It doesn't mean that every morning Paul's going down to the gym, you know, lifting the weights. He's on the treadmill. You know, he's asking someone to spot him, see if he can go higher and like, you know, lift more. And he's walking around for the next rest of the day with his back up as he pulled his back. No, he's not talking about that. What Paul is talking about, he's talking about training spiritually. Training our spiritual bodies. Even though it's good to train your physical body, Paul is talking about training his spiritual body. Uh, And what he's saying, he's basically saying that every day I do some spiritual disciplines to train, to grow in my knowledge of Jesus Christ. And now spiritual disciplines are kind of like going to the gym of faith. And you've got like a circuit and you've got all these different uh, uh, machines that work different parts of your body. And we have these things called spiritual disciplines, which are the same for us. And there's a whole list of spiritual disciplines that, that, that we can look at. And there's things like Bible reading. Do we actually read this thing, you know, regularly? Prayer. Do we actually actually pray and communicate with God? Fasting. Giving up of ourselves for God. There's things like scripture memorization. I mean, you may read it, but do you actually really know what it says and can recite some of the stuff? Rest. That's the one that we're the worst at, but rest is a spiritual discipline. I'm not talking about taking a day off to, you know, go and go to the beach with like five kids because that's not rest. I'm talking about actually resting your bodies. If you're on three or four hours of sleep a night, you're probably not doing the spiritual discipline of rest. Spiritual discipline is like service to others. You know, volunteering, helping others. Then there's worship, giving of your worth that you have unto God. Then there's meditation on God. I mean, do we just sit down and sometimes just think about God and what God has done in our lives? There's a spiritual discipline of solitude. I mean, getting out of the crowd and just being on your own for a few moments. Looking at your life and what's going on in your life. You see, these are things that Jesus Christ modeled and did while he walked on this earth. And we don't do them say, hey, you must do these things, and then you'll be a better Christian just for the sake of it. 
But if you do these things, you start to model the life of Jesus Christ. And by training in these spiritual disciplines, maybe having to get up early, maybe going to bed a little late doing them, maybe taking some time out to do these things, you are training to become closer to Jesus. And the closer you get to him, the more you get to know him. So this morning I ask you, are you growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ? Or are you growing in other things? Growth doesn't mean that you're becoming a better disciple. Growing in grace and knowledge in Jesus does. And you know, for this church, Generation Church, I want us to be a church that never stops growing. I don't mean our attendance just grows because tomorrow they could close Aberdeen Proving Grounds and half the people in this county would leave. Attendance goes up and down. That's no measurements for growth. I don't mean growth in our offerings because the economy could just switch and we could go down, but we could still be growing more in the Lord. It's just we don't have as much money. I don't mean growth in popularity. Everyone's like, that's the greatest church in the world. Because tomorrow the next best thing's going to happen and they'll be more popular than we were. I don't mean growth in name recognition. I don't mean growth in events or the programs that we have. And I don't mean growth in having tons of volunteers, even though we want tons of volunteers. What I mean, my desire for this church is that we will grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So that when people come through these doors, the bad fruit starts to become good fruit. Somebody who was away from God, didn't know Jesus at all, starts to become to know Jesus. And they start to grow. Because the more that we grow to become like Jesus, the more that we will naturally affect our community. And there is a community out there who wants you to produce bad fruit. There's a community out there who feeds into you becoming sexually more immoral. Who feeds you to become more lustful. Who feeds you to become more envious and jealous who feeds you to become more divisive, more quarreling, more angry. And my desire is that this church will be a church that will feed you to become more loving, more joyful, more peaceful, more long-suffering, more gentle, more self-controlled. There's a community out there who wants you to know everything else except Jesus. But my desire is that this church will do everything in its power so that you become more like Jesus and get to know him more. So let's be like Paul. Paul says, I do this so I win the race. I'm in it to win it. And if we become like that, then ultimately this community will find Jesus because they'll look at us and they'll see our fresh grass 
and they'll look at their nasty weeds and they'll be like, what did you do to get such lush grass? That's what I want this church to be. And I believe our question should be, are we growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ? Let's bow our heads in prayer.